0: Literature makes you feel, and it can get you thinking, too. But how do you move from signs on the page to thoughts and feelings? And why does fiction sometimes feel more real than the world around us? My name is Stan Vrvath, and together with my colleagues from the Literature, Cognition, and Emotions Project, LCE for short, we will discuss these and other questions in the coming weeks. Today's guest is Natalia Eagle, a Marie Curie Fellow at the University of Oslo working on a project titled Readers as Observers. And our topic is the materiality of reading and the interactions between reader and text. Thank you for joining us, Natalia.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: I'd like to start by mentioning that you work on the materiality of reading, multimodality and reading as a performative and multisensory experience. What is so fascinating about these aspects of reading? Could you perhaps briefly say something about how we should understand these notions? Where do they come from? What is new about them? And Or how can they set, shed new light on the interactions between reader and text?
1: Um, yeah, let's maybe start with the notion of reading as a performative and multisensory experience. This is not a very or entirely new notion in uh, book history research in reader research. Um, it has long been uh, the view that reading is a very active process. Mm-hmm. So the concept of the active reader who does not only consume a literary text or kind of drink it in and then it's in your mind or something, mm-hmm. but rather is um, yeah is part of the co-construction of a text. Yeah, this is a. Um, This is a a notion that has been there for a while. Um, Reading as a multisensory experience um, has been foregrounded a bit more uh, lately. So uh, when you look at the way we uh, interact with texts or with literary media, then the body always also plays a role in this. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't just process text, we don't just process uh, written signs on a page, but we also process and interact with the textual medium, uh, medium as a whole. So while the notions of performative and multisensory aspects of reading are not entirely new, um they have been foregrounded and highlighted recently or more recently. There is a renewed interest also in literary studies, not just in media studies, but really in literary studies, um, focusing on the mediality of literature and hence also on the materiality of mm-hmm. literature. Um, what this also does is put more focus on Aspects of embodiment when it Mm -hmm. comes to reading, on questions of how we as readers who have a physical body engage with uh, literary media, be it Mm -hmm. a book, be it also a screen, uh, when we have an electronic device, we still do engage with uh, also a physical object. Um, It is also not just our minds that are engaged with the text Mm -hmm. we read, Mm -hmm. but really our body as embodied. Uh, beings, and what also comes uh, to the foreground when we look at materiality of literature, for instance, it's not just the book or uh, the device, the reading device, that is a material artifact. Um, also, the text world itself has material qualities. So, when it comes to the question of multi-sensory experience in mm-hmm. reading, it is also about what happens let's say, inside us when we read, the act of reading, so we mm-hmm. bodily engaging with uh, mm-hmm. text or a medium, but also our minds engaging with a uh, kind of virtual embodied space mm-hmm. uh, with um, or activating when we read um, our sensory motor memories uh, and uh, perceptions. Uh, so it has two sides to the coin.
0: Mm-hmm. When thinking of uh, readers' engagement uh, with, with the text and, and the signs on the page, you've actually worked quite a lot on, on uh, periodicals, on avant garde periodicals and, and multimodal novels um, as some of your favorite media to uh, study these questions, right? Um, so, maybe we could zoom in now a bit on, on multimodality. So, why are precisely avant-garde periodicals and, and modernist novels such a good starting point to think about multimodality? Is multimodality perhaps a condition of a kind of trigger that makes us more aware of the materiality of the reading process? Or,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, let's maybe... Uh Look at the notion of multimodality first a bit more because it might be that not all listeners are too familiar Mm -hmm. with this um, term or concept behind this term. Um, Multimodality as a, let's say, Technical term refers on the one hand to phenomena in mm-hmm, the world, mm-hmm. uh, and on the other hand also to a field, a whole field of research. Really, um, so multimodality as a field of research looks into different modes or semiotic resources that people use to communicate with, e- with each other and to express themselves. Mm-hmm. So we do express ourselves not just in written language, in spoken language, but also in gesture, in sound um in uh, visual forms in when it comes to written texts for instance, in layout and typography these mm-hmm. things are uh, important also semiotic resources to uh, create and convey meaning and not just kind of kind of edit uh, uh, style or just a bit of mm-hmm. uh, sprinkled on top yeah. yeah
0: so this podcast is actually also, Multimodal to some extent.
1: Definitely. For us who are here in the room, more so uh, than for the listeners, mm-hmm, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's one of the points that um, media studies or let's say media study and semiotic um uh, oriented uh, multimodality research points out, is that every medium per se is multimodal. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a very interesting and relevant point uh, also for us as literary scholars, because um, for a long time, literature has more or less been also considered as, well, text Mm -hmm. Yeah, We have texts and we're interested in the meaning and the contents and not so much maybe in, of course, also in form, but not so much Mm -hmm. in the media. So, uh, especially when it comes to periodical research that you Mm -hmm. also asked about. It has been a long-standing, let's say, um, not problem maybe, well, well, maybe it has been a problem that uh, the media per se have been a bit neglected. Mm -hmm. So people in periodical studies, of course, have looked at uh, periodicals as media. But people who are interested in uh, literature that has been published in periodicals Mm Uh, especially, for instance, in the 19th century, a lot of literature mm-hmm. has, a lot of also novels have yeah. first been published in periodicals. In
0: photons like exactly. Dostoevsky. Yeah. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so
1: uh, literary scholars have been interested in those texts, mm-hmm. but have been a bit, hmm, let's say, maybe hesitant or sometimes yeah. even... Yeah, because it's not our main uh, object of study, mm-hmm. a bit neglectant of uh, the media that these texts have been published in. Um, and so uh, when it comes to periodicals, it's a very good entry point also for literary scholars to keep in mind or to, to really materialize before mm-hmm. our, our own eyes uh, as yeah. scholars that literature also is mediated always, and material, it is, uh, we conceive it uh, in a a material form, be it also in print or also on screen. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, so... If we then move on a bit from from avant-garde periodicals or, or the, the traditional literary journal to what contemporary multimodal novels are, are doing, mm. is this then just a kind of a rehearsal of what the a repetition of what the historical avant-garde was doing or, or is it something completely different? Mm.
1: Uh, um, I would say it's definitely in a very close line of tradition. And... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe let's let's try to again visualize for our listeners a bit uh, what what is or what are multimodal novels. So yeah. mm-hmm. um, maybe some of our listeners have also read um, Mark Z. Danielewski's *House of Leaves*. Mm-hmm. Uh, multimodal a bit of a horror thriller etc novel um, or they have read uh, Jonathan Safran Foer's um, 9-11 novel Extremely Loud and yeah. Incredibly mm-hmm. Close so you might already be familiar as a, as our listeners here um, with multimodal novels and with their um, strategies. Namely, they uh, bring together text and visual uh, elements, sometimes uh, photographs that are printed within the text, um, but also they highlight typography. Mm -hmm. They may uh, exceed the boundaries of the printed page. They Mm -hmm. may play with the margins, add uh, handwritten commentary, etc. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I
0: see that you even brought some yeah, examples here. Yeah. Of course, to our listeners, this might be like uh, watching a cooking program on television without mm-hmm. the possibility to smell or taste the food, right? But mm-hmm. maybe you could uh, yeah. help them a, a bit with uh, describing what these authors are precisely doing. With uh, yeah, Is sure. it just the layout or is it um, mm-hmm. a bit broader than that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I brought two examples um, and I will try to, yeah, materialize this verbally a bit. So the first example I already mentioned, Jonathan Seffron First, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Um, this is more or less, if you pick it up, uh, it's a novel. It's mm-hmm. I have a paperback mm-hmm. version here. Um, and it seems more or less like also a quite classic novel. Yeah, so in the sense of a printed book, and you have text, of course, and Mm -hmm. you you see pages where there is more uh, dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, But all of a sudden, maybe you open the book and you see, if you flip it through, right, or Mm -hmm. if you read it from uh, 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 start to finish, um, you have pages where there are just columns of numbers, Mm -hmm. numbers and numbers and numbers. Or you have a page where the text begins to, in a sense dissolve itself because it gets illegible um, Mm -hmm. it overlays itself Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. um, or you have photographs pictures well this is quite common you would maybe say Mm -hmm. and that's not Mm -hmm. something where you say oh this is a multimodal novel but rather yeah there are pictures that's okay Mm -hmm. A novel can have pictures but when you start reading this book you will quite soon note that the narration is not merely based on text. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah? The mm-hmm. way the story unfolds uh, is, in a sense, uh, if you just would read the text or try to read, mm-hmm. try to make sense yeah. of the text, uh, you would miss parts of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So these illustrations and, and typographical interventions mm-hmm. are not just illustrations, exactly. but they're really part of the narration and and help uh, bring forward the plot or the Hmm. narration or
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's uh, maybe to, to insert a small comment here, uh, again, on the notion of multimodality. That's a bit of a problem, of course, when you come from semiotics or linguistics mm-hmm. and uh, have an understanding that every medium is per se multimodal. Mm-hmm. And then you look at this and say, oh, this is a multimodal novel, then it would be redundant. Yeah. yeah. Then mm-hmm. you would say, well, wait a moment, of course it is multimodal, because even the layout adds mm-hmm. yeah, to the uh, um, the way I, as a reader, for instance, perceive what this text does, how it expresses meaning, creates meaning, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so the notion of multimodal novels is something that has been made use of, and I would say good use. Of course, you can criticize it from mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a, a terminological point of view, um, but it has been made use of to, um, let's say, describe a um, group of texts specifically that um, emerged around the, yeah, 2000 years, mm-hmm. around yeah. the new millennium, a group of texts that do this extensively, that really make use of visual elements, typography, etc., as we mentioned, um, to narrate a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a genre or text type uh, uh, kind of label, this term of multimodal novel works quite well. Of course, we can keep in mind, yeah, there is a bit of a redundancy there. Mm-hmm. But if we think of multimodal novels as novels that foreground... yeah the multimodality, mm-hmm. then it starts making real sense. Mm-hmm. Then we see, okay, even if a model might contain illustrations, it it needn't be a multimodal novel. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I could uh, talk uh, shortly about the second example yeah, sure. because Please. that makes mm-hmm. it very um, obvious okay. what mm-hmm. multimodality mm-hmm. in the case of a novel could mean. Um, the second novel I brought with me is a book called s um, well the title uh, I always add also in brackets is Ship of Mm Theseus" because it's kind of a book in a book story. Um, The original or the the, uh, actual authors are uh, Doug Dorst and J.J. Abrams. Um, The book, in the book, um, you might hear the sound. Mm -hmm. I'm taking the book out of a Mm bookcase. I have the bound version here. Um, And the title I see on the cover is Ship of Theseus." And the author's name here is The M. Straka. Mm-hmm. So it's a book in a book story. It's a story about, uh, or it uh, um, sets this in a. In a Uh, On a stage, kind of as a library book. Mm -hmm. uh, And the most prominent feature, or one of the most prominent features within the book, when you open it, is that you see there's commentary in different colors in the Mm -hmm. margins, Mm -hmm. handwritten commentary throughout the whole Mm -hmm. book. Mm -hmm. But the really, I would say, even more prominent figure that, uh, or um, feature that springs on you. If you, especially if you may open, maybe open the book a bit uh, kind of, oh yeah, let's just not see. not knowing
0: what is waiting for not, you. <laughs> no, exactly,
1: as you say, not knowing what is waiting for you, then stuff falls out mm-hmm. because there are many, many things inserted into the pages of the yeah. book. There are postcards and uh, facsimiles of newspaper uh, articles, print clippings, etc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, this book comes with a real abundance of other material and I would say, yeah, foregrounds its uh, materiality Mm -hmm. as a um, uh, physical artifact.
0: Yeah, But when we then move to our digital age, uh, you've mentioned reading on screen several times, Mm. but is then this materiality something that we lose when reading on screen? Um, Or do you think it's just a to a different uh, degree, or mm.
1: um? yeah, that's a good question, and it is debated. Also, mm-hmm. um, there is a lot of research, or has been done, uh, quite some research, uh, also in the last few years, um, really here in Norway, especially um, on a question of yeah, what happens uh, when texts kind of move from. Uh, The page to the screen. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. what happens? What what uh, what this does to the reading process? And yeah, Um, so one thing that has been pointed out though is also digital media. Of course, have materiality, but a crucial uh, difference that um, that we can perceive is when you look at, for instance, um, again periodicals. Yeah, Mm -hmm. when you have a periodical. a print periodical, then the thing is the thing. Yeah, you have the medium, and you can hold this medium in your hands. Yeah. When you have a, for instance, here with a press reader at the university, you can also mm-hmm. read periodicals uh, online yeah. or at the national library online. You can look at uh, historical periodicals on your screen. Then the screen is not the medium; is not the periodical. Yeah, Mm -hmm. It is the device and you Mm -hmm. interact with the device. Um, That's the difference. When I have a periodical or a book in my hands and I flip the pages and maybe there is, as often is in 19th century, uh, early 20th century periodicals, um, a satirical page with a tilt image or something, I can tilt the medium that I hold in my hands. I can, uh, um, yeah switch it, uh, like you would say, maybe in Norwegian Opnet, uh, mm-hmm. and then I see, oh, okay, uh, this, uh, th- th- this is funny. Yeah, I can, uh, I can understand the picture. When I have it on the screen, uh, for instance, historical, periodical, yeah. the mm-hmm. same thing, um, it's not that easy. I will not be able to maybe flip the, the fixed monitor Okay, I could flip my uh, uh, mm-hmm. other device, but it's a different... I yeah. interact with a different thing.
0: And you cannot feel the texture, right? You cannot feel the materiality of the paper. Absolutely, um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, um, is that also perhaps uh, maybe part of the explanation why why these multimodal novels that we have this discussing uh, just a, a minute ago are so popular nowadays? Because uh, writers are maybe... Uh, Harking back to these older forms of of multimodal literature because we've lost touch with our material environment, perhaps these writers are desperately trying to preserve the aura of of an artwork by foregrounding this this material aspect so Mm -hmm. intensively. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts about that?
1: Um, Well, in a sense, it seems to be about the aura of books as Mm -hmm. printed material, really. Um, There is a notion that captures this quite nicely uh, in uh, in research on multimodal novels, uh, the notion of bookishness. Yeah. yeah so mm-hmm. r- usually you would use this word to describe a person maybe, a bookish person uh, who likes to read. But uh, this notion really refers to kind of the features, the characters, the design um, of books that foreground that they are books, yeah. that they are printed mm. books. Mm. And maybe they are tombs, they are heavy and thick, or maybe they are... Uh, um, uh kind of very stylishly, artfully designed, yeah. etc. Yeah. So it seems to be a bit about that and the playfulness that we find in avant-garde literature. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, for instance, also think not about novels so much at that point, but about um, movements such as Dada, yeah. Yeah, the playful um, uh, deconstruction of... Mm-hmm language written language as material and playing mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. in an artful playful way um, making use of this to create something that has not been done before yeah? mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. say in a sense uh, multimodal novels in the contemporary uh, constellation do also uh, work playfully with material of course they integrate other material and refer yeah. to other media so sometimes they intensively refer to um, yeah electronic media so yeah. the visual yeah. uh, elements that we find sometimes in multimodal novels really are it's not uh, the 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 map to the treasure island mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. uh, yeah. illustration but uh, Kind of like snapshots um, of screens.
0: Yeah, but do do print books and and digital books and do just things differently with the text, or do they also have a different effect on on the reader? Mm. That is, do do print books because of this haptic material dimension, perhaps enable a, a more stable mental representation of the text? I think you. Yeah. I'm now quoting from your work pretty mm. directly, <laughs> or or. Do they just trigger a different bodily reaction in the reader? Mm. So I don't know whether you could have...
1: uh... Yeah, the research would point in the first direction also. So that uh, material, let's say print texts, allow for uh, more stable... Uh, mental representation, but also the research is still ongoing and sometimes or a lot of this research is done in an educational context. Yeah. So mm, reading mm. Uh, development and reading acquisition or yeah. let's say really being or acquiring the... Uh, reading uh, skills and exactly. attitudes. And yeah, habits. and reading mm-hmm. skills also as a... Um, Uh, yeah deep reader not just a surface Mm -hmm. reader Mm -hmm. but someone who really manages uh, or a a child who manages then to um interact with a long text with long forms yeah Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so this research definitely points towards um or yeah develops these hypotheses and tests these hypotheses to say okay it seems that um electronic reading, Mm. let's say reading of digital texts, um, seems to push a bit more... uh, Towards the development of surface reading skills, yeah. yeah? Mm, So mm. it makes it harder, or tests show that it makes it harder uh, for pupils, for instance, to interact Mm -hmm. with longer forms and to memorize, or to let's not say memorize. It's not about memorizing a text, but remembering and to find your way in a text. Yeah.
0: yeah. So having a, a book as a material object or a journal, periodical helps you also as, as a reader to navigate through the text and to have a kind yeah. of um, maybe intuitive understanding of where the beginning and the end are, or where the different sections are, mm. uh, or section breaks appear yes. and so on. Yeah. definitely.
1: Mm. Yeah, mm. and this maybe, uh, if I may add, this also shows that, uh, for instance, the, the cognitively oriented research in, uh, in studies of reading as a process and also as an experience the cognitively oriented research that is done now is not to be seen in a vacuum, of course. It Mm -hmm. also connects uh, to the research that has been going on for quite some time, especially, as I mentioned before, in book history, for instance. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Book historians will tell us, of course, the book as a printed artifact in the sense of uh, the... uh, Codex yeah. uh, form artifact um, provides a lot of um, yeah signposts for us mm-hmm. as readers mm-hmm. to find our way to orient ourselves to yeah also make decisions in mm-hmm. the reading process mm-hmm. maybe uh, to say okay, uh, I can see I've already read, Two hundred pages mm-hmm. or not just decisions but also predictions. Uh, yeah. I've already read two hundred pages of this novel and it has two hundred and fifty pages and so I I, I think what this will today. happen. That, <laughs> yeah, I'll manage this today or maybe oh I'll, I'll see the, the story comes to a close. Yeah. yeah. If you have an electronic device this is sometimes a bit mm-hmm. of a problem, yeah. You can't really feel yeah, yeah, where we are in the in where the book. You are.
0: Yeah, mm. but this brings us actually to another crucial notion in your work, right? That of the the embodied reader, uh, which also harks back to some extent to the question with which we started. So, how do we use our bodies when when reading? So, isn't reading traditionally assumed to be a, a mental intellectual mm-hmm. operation? Yeah. So, and besides, you've mentioned now the pupils who who uh, start to learn reading, but once they're they have acquired these skills. Uh, when they're reading a, a really, a really good novel, or when we are reading a really good novel, don't we tend to forget about our bodies mm-hmm. and delve instead into this fictional realm? Um, could
1: mm-hmm.
0: you say something about this?
1: Yeah, um, this again seems to be one of these things where, or it has two sides. Um, so as research shows reading is per se quite an embodied process yeah <clears throat> so we we do interact as we mentioned we do interact with the medium or with the device yeah mm-hmm. in more or less strong senses but our body is activated uh be it um, our senses, really. We perceive text or visual elements. We perceive also the feel of the page, mm-hmm. the pages of, yeah. or the weight of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I, again, have this, yeah, exactly. this yeah. heavy um, a multimodal novel here in front of me um, or the device that we hold in our hands. Um, it is also or the body also comes into play uh, in the sense of reading as a um, let's say um, social situation so when you sit <laughs> you, you sit somewhere you maybe lean somewhere on a wall in between yeah. waiting mm-hmm. for the bus mm-hmm. or something yeah so your body is present yeah that's the one thing and it is kind of working it's doing its thing yeah mm-hmm. um, however as you mentioned um, literature seems to be more about the yeah not being here and now and mm-hmm. sitting mm-hmm. here and reading the book but being immersed in a book being transposed being mm-hmm. transformed yep. also yeah mm-hmm. um, and transported uh, into a story world Yeah, for instance. Um, And, uh, yeah, Karin Kukkonen actually points this out in her late study, um, that it seems to be precisely the backgrounding of our physical bodies Mm -hmm. during the act of reading that makes it possible for literature to do the magic, so to speak. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sitting still and reading, possibly forgetting our immediate surroundings, enables us as readers to have a heightened embodied experience uh, in the sense of, yeah, uh, being there, not being yeah. here, but mm-hmm. being there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, still, it is important to keep in mind that it's not a uh, either-or situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And there is a notion that I really uh, think is quite fruitful here um, to keep that in mind, so that the body is in a sense twofold. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, another. Uh, Researcher and scholar in uh, cognitive literary studies, Marco Caracciolo, um, speaks of the virtual body of the reader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to make this distinction between the physical body of the reader that kind of grounds us in the mm. here and now and our surroundings, but also the virtual body of the reader, uh, the kind of the uh, embodied aspect that is able to be transported, that is Mm -hmm. able to uh, be shifted to a different here and now in Mm -hmm. a story world. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, so maybe we could push this question about the the effect of this reading as experience on our bodies a bit further because Mm -hmm. you also work a lot on emotions and on on mood. So how does reading affect us, not just in terms of uh, reading a shocking uh, story or a thriller or a detective or um, but what other kinds of techniques and, and, and devices does a, a literary work operationalize that affect us? Hmm. Um, yeah, so
1: the one... Uh, let's say device that I'm very interested in, uh, to that respect, is rhythm, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and is uh, so something that we might be talking about as literary scholars when we look at poetry and yeah. we speak of meter and prosody. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but we also yeah speak of rhythm. A text has a certain rhythm, and also prose text. Yeah, uh, yeah. text made
0: of language after all, right? Exactly. It's not just signs on a page and mm. uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So, is written then just a kind of stylistic ornament or a decoration or a formal property of a text or uh, a relict of specific eras and genres? Mm. Um, so, the study of which is then characteristic of a kind of old school formalistic uh, analysis of poems? Or is there something else to this uh, rhythm and, and what does uh, language and the rhythm of language do to us as, as a reader?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very good question, I think. And and also a question that points out to me that you don't have to have the expert uh, terminology necessarily mm-hmm. to yeah. uh, kind of care about meter and prosody. Yeah, yeah? It's a bit like uh, you don't need to be able to explain how breathing works and still you have quite an interest <laughs> yeah, exactly. in, in breathing mm-hmm. and maybe also in understanding how, yeah, how, Breathing in different ways can really affect you yeah, and your mm-hmm. your bodily perception and feel. Um, so, as an everyday reader, yeah, you may not know the different words for yambic yeah, meter, mm-hmm. etc., and you, you may not be able to analyze and describe in so many words. But you may still be very able, of course, to um, to feel, to perceive, yeah. and to um, to notice that rhythm of a text of a poem of a novel of a passage in a novel has a direct a really direct effect on you
0: yeah so regardless of whether we uh, read out loud or in silence we cannot ignore the sound and the rhythm of our, yes. the rhythmic patterns mm, in a text yeah. yeah
1: yeah and i think that's that's what makes it such a strong device and such yeah. a strong means to mm-hmm. engage readers because it is so immediate yeah
0: mm-hmm. uh, would you like to, or would you mind to give us an example <laughs> and and read some uh, a, a poem or?
1: Yes, uh, yes, um, with pleasure. So I brought uh, brought a lot of books, but I brought also um, one. Um, a collection here of uh, an author, uh, Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't go into detail about her or her work uh, per se, but there is a very short poem that I really felt was a good example to mm-hmm. see how immediate, in a sense, um, rhythm works and how a text also, um, I think a very important point, how a text guides us uh, to find the right rhythm yeah. and mm-hmm. to read it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the poem is called A Moonrise. It's from 1893, so a bit older, but still the moonrise is kind of universal. Mm -hmm. So uh, it still does rise. Um, And I'll just read the poem. So, A Moonrise. The heavy mountains lying huge and dim, With uncouth outline breaking heaven's brim. And while I watched and waited over them soon, Cloudy. Enormous, spectral, rose the moon.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we have a kind of a a change of the rhythm towards the end of the poem. Yeah, exactly. Mm.
1: So the the poem is really short. It's just those four verses and the last verse, as you said, we have a change in rhythm. And maybe... So I've read this poem before. Yeah, Uh, maybe if uh, someone reads this for the first time, they might, or I also, as a first-time reader of this Mm -hmm. poem, might stumble a bit uh, because I would predict that all Mm -hmm. all verses may have the same rhythm, and then I stumble. But what happens here is this inversion of meter in the last Mm -hmm. verse. Yeah, with this cloudy, enormous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. There is a pause, mm-hmm. and if you think about the moonrise as an image, we all have this image, and yeah? we share this. Mm-hmm. I would say this is common, not just knowledge, but really an image that we have—a moonrise, or also a sunrise, yeah. or something. Yeah, and you you really take the time to watch, and you see it goes in steps, maybe for you to mm-hmm. perceive it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then it has this effect that you see this image, yeah, of the. Um, Of the shining moon against this dark sky.
0: Yeah, gradually Mm. moving over time. Exactly. Mm. And
1: this is something that is not just in the contents of this short poem, but is really also conveyed by the rhythm of it. It's Mm -hmm. not telling us that this moonrise situation is going so and so. It's describing something, but it's also performing something yeah. through the r- rhythm of the text. Yeah.
0: And maybe this uh, alteration in the rhythm also invites us to read it again or yeah. to pause a bit or to ponder on the meaning. Or yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Thank you, Natalia. Maybe to conclude, I would like to ask you uh, for a reading recommendation for the listeners. So we've discussed quite a few... Yeah. Books, but is there one which you would really, really recommend?
1: Yeah, it, um, <clears throat> I could say I thought a lot about it, but I have to admit I didn't really have to think so long mm-hmm. about it, um, because there is a book that I that I think deserves much more attention. It's mm-hmm. a German novel, but it's also been translated, and also uh, I think in a in a recent new translation, the book is by an author author called Vicky Baum. Mm-hmm. It's from 1929, so it's uh, uh, yeah modernist avant-garde mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> uh, historical novel in a sense. Um, In German, in the original, it's called Mention im Hotel. Mm -hmm. And it's quite, in a sense, it's quite famous because it has also been uh, made into not just one, but more films. Mm -hmm. But I think one film is from the 70s or something. Yeah. Yeah, So uh, the uh, translated title is Grand Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. And so this, this novel really captures what I. Uh, think of when I speak of readers as observers yeah mm-hmm. so it's a kind of a training scenario you could say for the reader for the yeah. early 20th century reader but still also for us mm-hmm. to uh, position themselves as observers mm. of not just a story but really of so it's a Berlin novel. Mm-hmm. It's a, a novel about a modern metropolis, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. the one modern metropolis that Germany had also in that, uh, <laughs> yeah. in that period. Um, and the text really trains you as a reader to not just distantly observe, but to get engaged in a multisensory embodied way. So there are, mm-hmm. for instance, passages in this novel where you... Follow the or one of the main characters, uh, driving or riding as a passenger in a very very fast car, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you really perceive this acceleration and the the lights that just run past you mm-hmm. or the character. But yeah, it's uh, it's narrated in a sense that you really get a feel for this. Um, what I also like about it is that it blends a lot of genres and it brings a beautiful irony and also a bit of kind of a pop culture, pop fiction uh, tendency to not take itself so seriously. And maybe that's the thing that i don't I don't know if those contemporary multimodal novels <laughs> always uh, always really achieve to not take themselves so seriously. Maybe that's something that also contemporary literature can take as a as a good message from, uh, yeah modernist and avant-garde mm. literature yeah. sometimes
0: so back to the avant-garde after yes, all maybe yeah Thank you Natalia
1: thank you.